episode of the pros with con podcast i got my good buddy Corey, big bozer beaumont back hey. in town today uh go ahead and say hello Corey. hey everybody glad to be back Corey is back um we had him on real early in the pros with con uh podcast tenure with chris um been wanting to get him back on and this is the perfect opportunity to do so because we're celebrating little bros uh your son's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. your son's uh, diaper party today. Can't believe I'm a granddad already. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Corey's in town, and it's a perfect opportunity to get him back on and talk some exercise physiology stuff. Um, yes, sir. A good topic and one that he's obviously passionate about. So this will be a great episode for people to listen in and kind of figure out what we um, talk about on a regular basis, but also like what he does. Um, as a professor, and then like what his case studies and all these things were like when he was getting his PhD down Knoxville, mm-hmm. uh, University of Tennessee. So, um, if you guys, yeah, go balls. <laughs> um, want to check out more about his background? You go check out that episode. It's earlier on. Um, I think it might have been four episode four with Chris. Um, go over Corey's background and how he kind of got to where he was. Um, we're gonna focus a lot on. Um, specifically a case study that he did for his dissertation to retrieve or kind of get his PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to be a cool episode. Um, very in-depth, and I think people will think it's pretty fascinating and interesting to kind of see how this all correlates. Um, there's going to be a lot of words that you'll know, like they're common words, yeah, yeah. but I'm sure Corey will get... Sheesh. Uh, He's fired get, up, folks. Yeah! He'll get intelligent with it. So, um, yeah. Um, it's going to be a cool episode, and we'll kind of keep it rolling from there. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Yeah, man. I'm um, fired up. I'm very excited he's to been, be here. He's... <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, hey. Bros with Colin Podcast. Big deal. That's it. <laughs> he's, uh, he's been studying all week, looking at notes, getting prepared for today. So that's always cool. He's got his little Dang. notebook. Not three pages. Not two Definitely and a half not pages. two and a half pages. No. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, dissertation. Explain what that is for the people. All right, so, <laughs> uh, in kind of the big, dissertation is just the final project you do in grad school that um, you propose first to your committee. Here's what I want to do. Here's why I want to do it. They give you the go-ahead. You do the project. You defend your project because mm-hmm. they're going to critique it a little bit. And then... When you pass, you, you are done. obviously it's like, like your exit. Told everyone like if you argue, I will. Yeah, I physically threatened them. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they, oh, it was geez. a serious threat. Um, <laughs> no, but it was very fun. It was, um, it was obviously very in depth, and we'll get into some of the background stuff before. But it's basically setting the stage for um, your research agenda, I guess. So I have a line of research where. My big picture goal is to improve exercise adherence, making people continue to exercise rather than continue with this phenomenon that we've seen where people start a program, then they stop. Mm. Then they go back to the gym, then they stop. And then it's New Year's and then they stop again. So that's been my whole focus. And this dissertation that you were part of um, is a piece of that puzzle. Yeah. Wow. Beautifully explained. Thank you. Um, so I guess that's kind of cool how you say that and how you described it. It's going to be, again, like a topic we've discussed over time on this podcast with like why that happens with people and like mm-hmm. what they could do to help it. But this is very like 
case study, like yeah. research type stuff, which yeah. is awesome. I think that'll go along with a lot of stuff we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, kind of setting the stage a little bit. Um, the case study he sent out to just people who like volunteer, um, and you can kind of talk about like what that was like and what yeah. we did and what we had to do. But um, basically, just answer a bunch of questions, how I'm feeling, <laughs> ready to work out, or a um, couple times a day type of thing. So how long was it? Um, I think, not I think, it was 21 straight yeah. days yeah. of the surveys, mm-hmm. um, which each day was yeah. four so. surveys per day. Mm-hmm. And then after those 21 days, I crunched some numbers, and then we had like an interview mm-hmm. where I could kind of present you your results and get your feedback on it. And mm-hmm. that's going to be um, kind of when we get into – results and main findings and things like that mm-hmm. but that that was the main setup yeah and um so basically it was like four surveys throughout the day i mean they took maybe three minutes to like click how you're feeling at that given moment um and i kind of want to let you talk about that but from just like a standpoint of like you said 21 straight days of just people like how many participants did you have Do there you ended know? up being 11 that like qualified so okay. there's 13 total but you had to do, I think we set the threshold at 50 of the 84 surveys. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to do at least 50. And okay. two people didn't do 50. So we kind of like threw their Was data Anise out. Was Anise one of them? No, Anise, surprisingly. <laughs> uh, just kidding. We all believed in you, Anise. Uh, <laughs> but she got them all That's done. Funny. Yeah, I don't know if she did it I the right way. I remember she was like complaintings. complaining about it. I'm like, well, you volunteered. What yeah, do you want? Like, no, just do it. I don't nobody know. made her do it. <laughs> nobody. She did it for the love yeah, of the game, I guess. That's true. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so go ahead and talk a little bit more about like what these surveys were exactly. Yeah. Um, and then just from like a broad scope of like yeah. what the questions were like and what mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So basically, just to kind of give some background sure, about like sure. how these surveys were created because there was something like 51 or 52 items that everybody would rate how they were feeling in that moment right Mm -hmm. so part of that was informed by um previous research that shows the feelings that you experience during exercise yeah i guess we should say that like this was very geared around towards like exercise and like how you are feeling to are you ready to exercise like this is all focused on that kind of thing i guess that'd be something to yeah mention right now yeah so like the the exercise adherence piece that yeah. we kind of talked about a second ago where it there's some research that shows that like the better you feel during exercise the more likely you are to continue to exercise which i think mm-hmm. most people don't need to be like a nerd to get that like they yeah. don't need to do research it just kind of makes sense right mm-hmm. like if you have fun, if you feel good while you're doing it, you're just going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But if it sucks and it doesn't feel good, that's what pushes people kind of away from exercise. So, or anything in general, but there's this, mm-hmm. um, there's this behavioral theory, not to get too nerdy here, Go but ahead, get nerdy the, with it. the affective I mean? reflective theory of physical inactivity How and exercise. Chris doesn't know the difference between effective and effective. Yeah. So for his sake... <laughs> The the theory is abbreviated the art of physical inactivity and exercise. So it's affect with an A, Chris. <laughs> Chris, um, jot that one down, buddy. <laughs> affective reflective theory, which is basically the human brain 
um, has two different processes when it's encountering any type of stimuli, right? So there's a type one process and a type two process. Type one, it's subconscious, automatic, boom. You don't even think about what you're feeling. You just feel it. Mm -hmm. And then type two is a slower, more cognitive process where you do have time to stop and assess and think about things. So as an example, you know, people might be driving and they drive past the gym and automatically have an association with the gym. Sure. Or a doctor might say, you know, your blood pressure is high. You need to start exercising. And that first exposure, it's like the thought of exercise could be good or it could be bad. Mm -hmm. Type two would be, you know, all right, doctor said I needed to exercise. Maybe I don't want to, but I know it's going to be good for me. I know it's going to help me live a healthier life. It's more um, deliberate, right? You, mm -hmm. you wrestle with the idea. Whereas type one, you don't even know you're having that process, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the affective response, the automatic like gut reaction. Mm -hmm. So if that gut reaction is negative, that goes back to what you're saying where you're probably not likely to do it. Mm -hmm. But if your gut reaction is positive and you have these like uh, pleasant associations with exercise, you're going to gravitate towards it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this background research that went into the dissertation was geared towards how do we make that exercise experience pleasant so that people don't have to overcome the negative association, right? And so that leads into you know, the determinants of affect and stop me if I'm like rambling no, too yeah. much, but yeah. so there's been plenty of research on what influences that affective response, what makes it automatically good or automatically bad. And for the longest time, intensity was like considered mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. king of the yeah. affective response where if it was super high intensity, that would lead to negative affect. People didn't like it. And if it was lower intensity, it was pleasant and people did like it. Mm -hmm. But we know from like real life, especially folks that do a class at Aurelius or do high mm -hmm. intensity things that just because it's high intensity doesn't really actually mean that it's always bad, right? Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, people are coming back. They're, they yeah. want more. So that got people wondering like, what are some of the other determinants of the affective response? So I did a, a quick little study down in Knoxville. A little study. Where people would... <clears throat> exit the gym and there was a, a, a survey similar to what you did where it was you know rate your affective response to the exercise session you just did zero to 100 100 being the best zero being the worst and they'd give a, a rating and then we'd ask them to explain what informed their response mm -hmm. and the results kind of showed that energy levels going into the gym mood levels going into the gym um physical condition, all of these other things have an impact on the affective response. It's not just as simple as saying, like, keep it low intensity, then everybody will like it and everyone will do it all the time. So I think that's hopefully something people can imagine in their real life where <clears throat> if it's too low intensity, it's like it's boring. It's not challenging. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you have to, like, dig deep and finish and get that satisfaction of, like, heck, yeah, I just finished something tough, right? So the idea with these surveys was to continue that line of thought, which is, all right, these things that impact 
the affective response have a lot in common with what some other researchers have called readiness to exercise. And that comes from a strength and conditioning um, background, a guy by the name of Bill Kramer, who started at UConn, now he's at Ohio State. <laughs> um, but he he had these he had a checklist that coaches would use with their athletes <clears throat> where before the session even started they would check hydration status um, what else coach athlete interaction to kind of gauge like mood there would be some um, initial performance of like the warm up sets to see how things were moving and and based on all of this feedback they would tweak the workout itself. So if someone was in this high readiness state, they would say, forget the plan, get after it. Like, I know we have something written for today, mm -hmm. but go nuts because you're in a high readiness state okay. and we want to capitalize on that. Oh, wow. The other possibility is that you come in and you slept poorly, mm -hmm. you hardly had any uh, water, you're super stressed because work stunk or you got in a fight with someone. And so, all right, maybe you're not the most ready. Let's dial this back. Mm -hmm. Let's keep you moving. We'll keep you on track. But the more you can match your readiness load, the better the affective response. Mm -hmm. The better the affective response, the more people exercise. So That's an interesting concept to think about from that perspective as far as like um, – the research behind it because mm -hmm. like we talked about just like if your body's not feeling good that day like maybe dial it back a little bit but like i guess they wouldn't really know that unless they feel it mm -hmm. and then they kind of go from there or if they come in the gym and they just don't feel great finding that kind of threshold or when to push versus when not to push this yep. is kind of like just kind of dialing it in from a more mm -hmm. research perspective which i think is cool yeah um, but it's just like we've had conversations like this, like when you come in and you're just like, oh, I don't know if I'm feeling it, but you still like try and grit through it a little bit, mm -hmm. which we'll probably talk about certainly in these studies. Um, no big deal. I kind of big, big, <laughs> uh, big inspiration for that little something. Yeah. yeah. But um, actually, though, just like saying how this kind of applies to those conversations. But like there's like studies out there to like that people are applying this yeah. like in like weight rooms with like mm -hmm. actual people. So I think yeah. that's pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it supports things that good coaches were already doing. And it also gives some evidence based approaches for people who maybe hadn't thought about that, especially people who are trying to like exercise or work out on their own. It's super common to, you know, find a program online or download a spreadsheet that is super rigid that on week one you do four sets of 10 mm -hmm. with 65% and then you go up and mm -hmm. up and like that's a good template for people who maybe aren't familiar with this auto regulation. That's the term for like making tweaks based on your readiness. Um, but if people don't have that guidance or that coach or trainer or someone to mm -hmm. help steer them and make those adjustments, they might walk into the gym feel super crappy and all they have is what's written mm. i gotta do five sets of five mm. with 85 percent. this mm. stinks yeah yeah but when you have a coach who's familiar with some of these things like yeah let's work with what you got let's make sure that you know you don't overextend yourself because yeah. that could lead to injury but on a more positive note 
if five by five at 85 is just too easy, like let them off the leash and like yeah. capitalize on that. Yeah. And that's how you get the best physiological results. You get the gains in strength, power, speed. Um, All things that you and I both have. In abundance. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Almost in too much. Every time I see Chris, I'm like, do you need any of my you, you strength, like, power, speed? Some, like, yeah. I don't know what to do with all this. You need my strength, power, speed? Yeah. You need any of my strength, power, speed? you need that or no? You need any of that? Um, but so it, it's cool to see that, you know, it makes intuitive sense. Like anytime I've talked about these factors that impact readiness to exercise – no one has been like, whoa, I didn't even think that my mood or energy or physical condition, like if, if you have aches and pains, mm -hmm. like it all has face validity, like just appears to make sense. Yeah. But it's cool to get like empirical research yeah. evidence that yeah. shows like, yes, what we are doing is the most optimal right now, mm -hmm. rather than just cookie cutter, stick to this exact program. Yeah. Um and we'll get into even more, like you said, times to not lean too heavily on like low readiness because there yeah. are times that it's going to have to be like, all right, I know you're not feeling the best, yeah. but you're going to have to grind through and show some of yeah. some of that grit. Pardon yeah. me, but yeah, it was it was cool to get the the research support for what we used in the dissertation study. Mm -hmm. That's that's where we pulled some of these items from. Um, for the surveys. Yeah. So to go a little deeper, pause, into this, <laughs> uh, the thing about readiness is we can't assume that, you know, with a multidimensional construct like readiness to exercise, if it's made up of four things, five things, six things, we still didn't know at the time what's the most important thing because we could have a list and energy might be crucial to me. I need caffeine. I need pre-workout. I need to have my sleep. Whereas mood might be crucial to someone else where mm -hmm. if they're in a bad mood, that's going to have the biggest impact. So the, the big, you know, rationale for this dissertation that you participated in was let's find if there's a difference between a person's, you know, profile of readiness, um, across a group of people. Cause mm -hmm. we don't want to just start assuming all people respond to the exact same thing and mm -hmm. that energy, all these things matter the most. And that over time, even they might be different where you might be in a phase of your life where your mood is your biggest determinant of readiness. And then later on down the line, it's more about your physical status. Like if you're, if you've got bumps and bruises, if you're banged up, that might be more important. So mm -hmm. it's like, we don't want to paint ourselves into a corner and just say, here, assess these four things these are the only things that matter. So the idea of you doing, doing the same surveys that Anise and all these other people were doing is that, you know, running the stats and creating the profiles, let's see how similar and how different they are um, amongst each other and then have that, that interview where it's like, here's your profile, Nick. Tell me how you feel about it. Mm -hmm. So that might be a good way to, or a good time for me to shut up and let you talk a little bit. <laughs> I'm going point. wild, dude. This is the whole point. This is what we want. I guess a question I do have is how did you even come up with this idea to study this or kind of use this as your topic to choose? Yeah. 
to research um, for your dissertation. I was told to do it. Just kidding. It was, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Do this, study. Uh, yeah, but um, basically, one of the big motivations for me, even attending grad school and, and like pursuing a PhD, is that, like I said, the adherence levels to exercise are like rough. There was a study from the early 2000s that said there's like a 45% dropout rate for people that start an exercise program. Almost half of them are just like, forget it, I'm done. Mm. And then another study, Middleton and colleagues, 2013. <laughs> uh, if you just want to look it up, I couldn't let you know. Um, but His name in like yeah. research studies yeah. like you're a lawyer. It's fine. That first one, the 45% dropout, that's Marcus, 2006. Um but no, the, uh, another study found that even for the people that do get through an entire program um, aimed at improving physical activity, like make people more active, that once that program, that you know structured program was done and they just let people go, they followed up with them afterwards and there is a big trend of regressing back to their normal levels of physical activity. So... From that sense, there's people that just won't stick to a program, and then when they're done with a program, they fall right back into their old ways. And mm. to kind of add to the sort of bummer picture is that as far as lifting weights in general, um, some of the more recent stats showed that I think it was 27.6, don't quote me on that, percent of adults report that they lift at least two days per week targeting major muscle groups. Wow. Just a quarter of the population. Not great. If that, Yeah, I mean, that's like a whole point of this podcast is to try and like bring light to that mm -hmm. as at least one of the ideas is to shed some light on what can we do better yeah. to have people get more healthy mm -hmm. and sustainable for the rest of their lives. If only a quarter of the people give or take are lifting weights only two times per week that's not a good start that's so right. how do we go what do we do from here to help i don't know inspire people get people educated yep. that kind of thing motivated like these are all things that could tie into it but like that's a, an alarming statistic yeah the to make it even more alarming really sorry hope we're sitting down <laughs> listening to this when um, you really boil it down even yeah, more is that that 27.6 percent or whatever that's self-report. So that's based on asking adults, like, do you do mm. two days per week? And we've seen uh, an overwhelming trend in self-report data that people inflate that. So mm. it might be less than 20. It's like Jeez, asking yeah. someone, you know, I think for men, they over-report height. You know what I mean? So when it's self-report, you inflate. Yeah. And when it's like, hey, do you exercise? People that know that exercise is good and that they should be doing sure, it yeah. can tend to be like, yes, just, just I guess. Just another layer in there. Yeah, yeah. Just another layer in yeah. there. So, All right. yeah. And not to go wild on the stats, but did you know that uh, the Titanic was only like half full? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to Yeah, there's only like 1,300 people. I should uh, Yeah, I forgot to say we're yeah. just talking about Titanic today, yeah. actually. Sorry. It was like half empty, which is good, I guess. Yeah, like you what thought it would be double the amount of casualties, but yeah. or non-casualties. There were some survivors. A couple of them. Rose. Yeah. Had Shout to, out Rose. Yeah. Not right, move don't over. Don't get me started. I don't yeah. even want Actually, to. 
the forced smokestack wasn't real, though. It's fake. <laughs> it's for aesthetics. If you were in that at first episode, you know that. But if you weren't, now Check you know. Back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. Back. To, so that's that's what got me interested in this line of research specifically. Is like finding out how many people don't lift weights, how yeah. many people start and then stop, and then, I mean, it kind of goes without saying that lifting is something we care about something that i care about and sure. I'm like we we recognize the value in it how the heck can we get people to yeah. do it more and it's like well make it more enjoyable yeah all these subtopics we've kind of gone over the first six months of this podcast are yeah. kind of under that umbrella of what can we do as a gym from a lower level mm-hmm. and then like surrounding gyms around the area and then from a bigger level like how can we spread awareness that these things will just make your life better for longer you'll live a healthier life longer not that some people really don't live by that but statistics show that we need to get more out there so like how do we do that so like inspire people to do things find something they enjoy that's sustainable so Mm -hmm. all the communities we talk about all the time on this podcast um those are just like ways to help bring light to that yeah but this is also the point of this conversation right now yeah the research and the studies two and a half pages worth (laughs) show that this is a thing that is important to talk about and like why and like what does it do Mm -hmm. so yeah just saying i think that leads nicely into the dissertation itself and we can start to get into that but basically it's again the individualized aspect that like what makes it enjoyable for someone over here is not going to be enjoyable for yeah. me. It's not going to be enjoyable. Like, so yeah. let's, let's find out now if there is empirical evidence to go back to that sure. term for the inter-individual differences, <laughs> ideographic differences. Fascinating. Sorry to drop that, that one. Yeah. No. I don't know if they're ready for it, but it's cool. Google it. <laughs> Google it. If you don't, it's worth a Google. Yeah. So, so we talked about kind of the, anyway. um, the procedures, which basically there's kind of two studies technically um, for the dissertation. I hate bragging. Most people do one. I did two. <laughs> Most people do know that you hate bragging too. It Yeah, it ticks me off when I, when I <laughs> brag, so I try not to. Yeah, I respect that about um, you. But no, so the idea was that that survey that you did 84 times was given to – Oh, what was the number? I think it was a little over 300. A little over 300 people um, in the Knoxville community. Just one time. Like, when they were about to work out, they filled out the exact same survey. Just, like, circle ratings of all these different items uh, purported to impact readiness to exercise. (laughs) And from that 300-plus data set <laughs> we we created a population level profile of readiness to exercise so we did the math correctly and this is what it means to be ready for everybody mm-hmm. and then we had you and 10 other people do the exact same survey and you each got a profile of readiness mm-hmm. and so those 11 profiles were compared to the population profile. 
and I'll jump ahead to the results. Basically, they were not the same. So that just reinforces the idea that you could ask an entire population what it means to be ready and get a profile, and mm -hmm. it's going to be different when you start asking individuals from that. So, mm -hmm. again, not to paint into a corner and say, we asked 387 people, this is what it means to be ready, ask everybody, and stick with that. Mm -hmm. Saw that there was heterogeneity in, in the profiles of readiness. Good words. There. I'm dropping them. You Watch might. your step. Yeah. I'm dropping these big words. <laughs> um, speaking of step, I don't know if they can. Yeah, they can't. They can't see the question threes. <laughs> might pop the shoes up real quick. No. Um, Shout out. Allen Iverson. The GOAT. The GOAT. The GOAT PG. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Steph who? Who's, um, yeah, don't talk to me, Chris. I hate him. Um, anyway. So, we did that with everybody, then created your profile, and I think now we can just sort of stick on you and your experience. I guess um, we can talk about real quick, like, what the questions were like. Yes. So, like, the the options it was giving you to answer. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of those surveys you'll see like somewhat agree. Does yeah. that, so that sound right? Yeah. I want to get the verbiage right because I think it's appropriate. I think it was something like... Uh, Most likely like... Or no, I think it was... It was a Likert scale. But mm. yeah, it's just yeah. when you like have five So options. like it'll ask you a question and it's like extremely ready like somewhat ready like yeah. neutral not as ready something along those lines yep. um where it gives you like that kind of scale to choose from on each question and it's just basically like it'll send me a message take the survey it's four times a day yep. just throughout the day like what i'm doing at that exact moment and i tried to stick to that as much as possible like sometimes i was like doing something i couldn't answer i was at work or something mm -hmm. but for the most part at that moment i would get it i'll be like i can't need the answer just because i think it's important so, like, sometimes I would get it when I was at work or I was at home or coming to the gym or I was mm -hmm. at the gym. So, um, and these just questions just, like, and you can kind of get into that, like, what those basically were. But just to kind of give some background on, like, what the surveys actually were. Like, it was, like, 21 questions. I think it was a lot. I think it was 51. Oh, 51 no, 21 ratings, days. Sorry, 21, 21 days. days, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. However many questions it was, but it took, like, three minutes. It was yeah. super easy just to, like, go through, boom, 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 yeah. how you feeling. It's not like it wasn't anything crazy, but mm -hmm. anyway. So there was 51 items, and some of them all related towards, like, a consistent construct. So, like, there was, like, mood. So you might have, like, calm, happy, um, stressed, all these things, yeah. right? And then, so everybody would rate how they were feeling in that moment on those items. And then there would also be a random hypothetical scenario where it was like, if you had to work out right now, how do you think you'd feel? Or if you had to work out right now, what would you do mm -hmm. upper or lower? Like kind of these, again, hypothetical scenarios so that we could start to have these scores that would generate from that survey and how it might correlate to how you think you'd feel or how ready you feel. And that way it kind of like, anchored the participants into all right start thinking about your mood and your physical state and now pretend you're about to exercise and let's see how one might impact the other mm. so yeah four times a day randomly throughout uh the day and then we did some <coughs> statistics some 
really fun things with that. Um, I think I'll spare you. But, it, I mean, it was clicking buttons. Yeah. You or me personally? That did the stats? Yeah, like me. Oh, I you didn't. didn't, do I didn't know, but I know what you were like referencing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. once once I had your eighty four. Oh, okay, okay. Surveys, yeah. I crunched some numbers. I crunched some numbers, dude. <laughs> Big numbers guy. Yeah, you crunched numbers like I've never seen. <laughs> I know. Dummies <laughs> <laughs> on my own. That's though. what everybody's telling uh, me. Yeah, but go ahead and talk more about like what you want to necessarily talk about with yeah. the study. Um, I mean, you got your notes for a reason. Let's dive in. Sure a do. Bit. So. <clears throat> One thing that we wanted to do, because this was sort of a follow-up study. And I mean, if you want to focus on me, like you said, like, go ahead. Hey, that's all I wanted. To <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to make you blush or anything, but. Um, anyway. I almost made a bad joke. <laughs> um, but, so, we did sort of like a preliminary study um, before my dissertation, which was essentially what I told you as far as like the group comparison with the individual profiles found the heterogeneity and it was like, all right, this kind of is proof of concept that the individual person doesn't always feel like the group feels, mm -hmm. but what that study was missing amongst other things, cause it was just like secondary data. What it was missing was this aspect of social validity. So like, whether or not it makes sense or matters to the individual. Because um, in a hypothetical scenario, right, um, I could present you your profile of readiness and tell you that here's the things that mathematically should mean the most to you and your exercise experience. But you could um, see that and be like, no, like that doesn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. So there's the math aspect and then there's the human aspect. Mm. So that was like the big missing piece for the dissertation that the interviews helped get at where we could get actual feedback from you and the other participants about like how meaningful these profiles are. Because if everybody was like, I don't really care. Like none of this stuff matters to me. I actually base my readiness on ABC. That would have been very unfortunate, but we could say, all right, I guess this is a method that we don't need to use anymore. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, um, we didn't find that. We found that a lot of people mentioned that their profiles were relevant. Like, Good. okay, yeah, that makes sense. I can see why my profile is this, that, or the other thing. Hmm. Um, but some of it highlighted the fact that people's life circumstances changed over time. And that impacted their score. Like one participant, their one of their biggest determinants of readiness was like um, illness. I'll say like because there was some sick and nauseous and like items like that in the survey, and that popped up big for them. And he was like, "Well, I was like in the hospital for six of those days of the survey, so I ranked those really high because I was feeling bad." But he was like, "That's not." That's not usual for me. Like, if this was eight weeks ago, I wasn't in the hospital. That mm -hmm. stuff doesn't matter. <clears throat> so it was good to get this general idea that, yes, things matter, and they fluctuate. So now we can take these results with a little bit of grain, with a little grain of salt, um, rather than just holding on to it forever and being like, nope, sorry, it said sickness. That's what matters to you the most. Like, mm -hmm. we know that we can 
circle back to certain items if we need to. Um, but yeah, that's another time for me to stop because I feel like I'm talking too much. No, there's a point. Yeah. We want to we know. The people want to know, you know? <laughs> so in general, we found um, decent agreement. Like most people were like, yes, that makes sense. <laughs> but throughout these interviews, we also asked um, kind of, you know, what the information means to them. And based on those responses, we like created transcripts of the interviews, analyzed those and certain themes and sub themes emerged. And one that really popped out largely in part to you was this idea of psychological grit or mental grit (coughs) where sometimes People were not feeling ready. Sometimes they don't feel ready. Um, but that there's value in pushing through it anyways, mm-hmm. within reason. So that, like, certain things are push throughable. <laughs> <laughs> All these fancy words, and that's, that's what you call I, I was going to say, I don't think that's that might be the dumbest thing I've ever said. <laughs> um, I think it's. I think it, it's just a testament to the authenticity that you bring to the table. I am who I am. Yeah. I can't <laughs> Take be nobody me else. Me. You know? <laughs> Don't leave me though. All right. Well. Pause. Uh, <laughs> but you know things like we didn't dive into this during the interview. So again, taking what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. But things like physical condition, not push throughable, right? Like if if someone was doing a little pre workout survey. And it was like, my knee hurts, my back hurts, whatever. As a coach, we wouldn't suggest being like, time to grind. My neck. Yeah. My back. I, you know et cetera, the rest. et cetera. <laughs> and my et cetera. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> but maybe maybe the um, mental aspects, yeah, yeah, yeah. like mood, like energy, that might be push throughable, right? So... It's nice to, you know, learn about yourself, find out what... From, like, a research point of view, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'm sure people can think things about themselves yeah. and learn things about themselves just through trial and error. Yeah. But, like, to see empirical, like, hardcore evidence and research and statistics, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just, like, a different perspective, I think. Yeah. And it's just, like, you can't argue those facts. Like, these are statistics because... They are where they are. This is how you answered. Like, personally, this is what you did. Yeah. Exactly. He crunched numbers. This is where you came. You know? Yeah, like, literally crunched them. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of, like, the overall goal from, like, an applied perspective is that, like, okay, this is cool, but nobody's going to read the 180-page document that sums this up. But sure, what we sure. can do is disperse this information to the masses and encourage that type of mindfulness of like paying attention to your pre-exercise states physical and mental states and how you feel during your workout and on a personal level start making those connections or talk to your coach because your coaches are there to Mm. help you get after it if you're feeling great or dial it back if you're feeling not or your coach is going to be there to say i know you're not feeling great but Mm-hmm. If it's all up here, then it's time for you to yeah. grind. Yeah. And so drawing those personal connections so that you can go, you know what? 
when I only sleep five hours um, and stay out a little too late having a couple two three arns and I don't feel <laughs> great yeah and you know the more negative those exercise experiences are you're just making yourself more and more vulnerable to falling off the wagon and being mm-hmm. like I don't feel good when I go there and it's like do you not feel good or are you not doing the things like why exactly why, why don't you feel let's, good let's boil it down boil it down yeah so that's that's the goal is to encourage that thought process you don't need to do the research yeah do it for you (laughs) (laughs) but like be aware yeah you know you're in the driver's seat you're you're living your life so optimize your workouts yeah the better you feel the more it becomes a habit the more it becomes a habit the better you feel the better you move the better you live all that good stuff and so you want to you want to capitalize on that. Yeah, and I guess that kind of leads into the topics we talk about, like just sustainability, finding the actual thing that gives you the joy and gives you that kind of feeling subconsciously, like yeah. I like going there, so I'm going to keep going there. Yeah. Like these are topics we have discussed, but like it's understanding why and what kind of gets you to that point I think is important um, to not only touch on, but to continue to like figure out reasons to show evidence that this is like what we're trying to do to get people to be healthy it's not just black and white like as might as it might seem it is like work out or don't work out there's all these different factors and Mm -hmm. this is just like prime example of understanding what research can show but like all the topics we talk about and like why you feel those ways and like the way your body feels when you do it from a statistic and evidence and research standpoint as opposed to just like a conversation with your coach mm-hmm. or your person you're training with. I think those are just all ways to go about it, but it's not just like black and white. It's very mm-hmm. like multi-dimensional. There's a lot of factors going into it. Absolutely. So this is kind of how we got into this mm-hmm. kind of conversation <clears throat> and then into his case study specifically and just like what the evidence shows and like what his numbers crunched out to be. <laughs> so, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think that just pays dividends to like, the mindset I'm having with this podcast to get people on like yourself to bring light to this that from a specific standpoint of like literal research, you could show people that like it's important to be healthy and yeah. lift weights more than twice a week yep. and how that's yeah. su- su- sustainability for the rest of your life is important to have mm-hmm. a healthy life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's what we're doing. All right. Thanks for watching. <laughs> that's what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. We're doing it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think that that's... Again, the thing that's encouraging is that a lot of the coaches that I've I've interacted with, <coughs> you, Kurt, Chris, Mallory, like these people already kind of do this. Mm-hmm. So it's like, please keep doing it. And yeah. for the members and the people that are listening, like your coaches are a resource that can help you Navigate. make those decisions. Yeah. Like, is it time to let her rip and get after yeah. it? Or... I mean, it can be a quick discussion. We don't need yeah. to have these long conversations before a workout. You could. You really could if you, you wanted could. to. But um, but during yeah. a warm-up, walking around, <coughs> being like, how are we feeling? You ready? What's it going to be today? You know. Yeah, and that's important. That's like a whole different kind of topic that kind of ties into like those connections, those personal relationships mm-hmm. you build and the trust that comes with that and understanding how to like when to push, when not to push, to navigate how you're feeling versus goals and all these things that just ties into, like, your readiness. Yeah. How, what, how ready are you? And, like, if you're driving past a gym and you have that negative feeling versus, like, I can't wait to go there on Monday type of thing. Yep. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else? 
on your on your notes you wanted to touch on? <laughs> Not really. I mean, kind of the other, I guess, like cool reinforcement thing well, is that I guess go back to the thing. I don't. Did we really discuss like what the grit thing kind of? It was basically. Um, let me see. Like what? Yeah. I'm just from conversations that you and I, mm-hmm. you and I have had from this, that like that was like an interesting thing that you didn't really think would come yes. of the study. Yeah. But, like, you found out that it was, like, a pro- proponent of... Mm-hmm. There's a lady named... I don't know if it's Angela, but we'll say Angela. Well, Ange for short. Oh, hey, Ange. We'll call her Ange. That Duckworth. might not be her name. Don't want to yeah. disrespect anyone, but, but it's for the sake of this, keeping it rolling. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely Duckworth. Um, and Dr. I think, Duckworth? I don't know. Mrs. Duckworth. Lady Duckworth. Lady Duckworth. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Uh, probably definitely a doctor, but... Um, Angela. She wrote a book. I wish I knew. It might be called Grit. Just Grit. Right. Um, but it's like, it's for the masses. It's not like a research book. Okay. But she's also done research. But anyways, through this... Um, You've done research. Are you going to write a book? Dude, I'm already writing. <laughs> <laughs> no. My life's a story. Yeah, my life's a movie, dude. <laughs> oh, jeez. Here dude, we go. last night All I right. watched a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. So... Um, yeah, that was a cool thing that came out of this research project project is basically like the way things go, the results when you're analyzing like interviews and what people are saying, you can't really plan your discussion, which is the last portion of the paper until you get those results. Mm -hmm. So kind of going into it, we had the intro, we had the methods, and we had no clue what was going to come up, right? Like, we had to just sort of, like, wait and get the results, and then the discussion is driven by what people say. Mm. And we expected things like um, incongruency, where people would be like, you know, my math doesn't equal my actual internal perceptions. People that wear, like, whoop bands Mm -hmm. or, like, Aura, aura rings, whatever Ian wears, because he's very cool. <laughs> Shout out, Ian. Um, no, those actually are very cool. There's another study on the way regarding whoop bands and aura rings. But anyways, people would... It's very common for people to get, like, a whoop uh, readiness scooter. <laughs> um, when I used to wear a whoop, it would be like you're 8% recovered. Mm-hmm. Like, I was mm-hmm. never recovered. Um, but I would always feel fine. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, <clears throat> and I had a couple friends that were wearing things like that before the study even started who would mention, like, Whoop says I'm 88% recovered. I'm in the green, but I feel bad. Yeah. And so in the back of my mind, I'm like, that's going to come up in these interviews. People are going to yeah, see their that's, score. That's an interesting thing. Right? And we've touched on that. I know Mallory and myself more so on like the Apple Watch like calories burned aspect. Oh yeah, not the same thing, but kind of the same thing. How that like people fixate on that. Like, yeah, I have to burn these calories or I'm not getting a good workout. Like that's like in a negative emotional state, mm-hmm. which applies to this. But yeah. like that's just another example. Because some actually some people <clears throat> um, mentioned that they don't want to see a readiness score or mm-hmm. a recovery score because it does steer them yeah, yeah. where they're like wait i was feeling good but whoop says i gotta chill so i gotta chill and it's like whoa that's whoa. that's what we want to get away from hey um 
So we kind of expected that to Not to, to, not to diss Whoop or anything, you know. No, shout out Whoop. Shout out Whoop. Used to have one. Sure, me too. Wore it. I actually wore it two different phases of my life. <laughs> was? Yeah, it was like 2019. I was like, Whoop band sound awesome. Yeah. And then it kept telling me to sleep more. And I was like, here's the thing about grad school. I got work to do. <laughs> I ain't sleep. Bucko. Yeah. Yeah. So then I got it in 2021. Or something like that. Shout I was out. like, I'm gonna get it and I'm gonna listen to it this time. Yeah. <laughs> and then I didn't listen to it. I was talk like, about, I'm still in grad talk school. Talk about going in and out of phases. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm told I'm not easy to <laughs> <laughs> rein in. Um, bit of a. I think I had, never mind. <laughs> anyway, I think it's called oppositional defiance disorder. Is that? I'm, That's a real thing. I think when I was a kid, like a someone thing. said, "Go left," I'd just go right. Yeah. You will not tell me what to do. I'm just gonna do it my way. Yeah. It goes back to that the problem with authority thing. Dude, we talked about it on yeah. the other episode. It was very bad. Oh, you want I me to go left? left? No. Right. So the woman no. would be like, sleep more, and I'd be like, I'm gonna sleep less. <laughs> you think I need seven? I'm going four. That is so funny. Oh my goodness. So anyway, yeah. So I, I had that whoop and never listened to it, but. Other people said uh, similar things. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, we were talking about how it would, like, deter people. Like, people <laughs> would say, oh, I thought I felt good, but if Whoop says I'm going to feel bad, if I go to the gym, then I'm not going to go to the gym. Yeah. And so it's like, back yeah. to, again, we don't want to fixate on that. We want to use it as a tool if we need to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or if we can. But we expected that. What we didn't expect... Um, necessarily for whatever reason was the opposite where where you kind of came in a lot with the grit aspect and the like yeah because i think i should have checked this um but i think your profile was heavy on some of the psychological aspects like your readiness was um was determined primarily by mental status um, and so when I like brought that up to you during the interview and said something about, you know, here's your most important <clears throat> items, you mentioned that like, <clears throat> you know, it makes sense that psychological or mental states would come up, but that for you, they weren't that relevant because you, you push through it, mm -hmm. that you have this <clears throat> kind of habit or instinct to grind through it so that prompted kind of a, a whole section of the discussion to go into psychological grit which duckworth wrote about and that there was um did you have certain to, times you included that in your like defense what do you mean which part the grit part yeah, I mean it's like a. I'm just curious. Like, did anyone like have anything to say on that kind of like finding? Um, <clears throat> not like a strict um, like focus on it, but it did prompt questions about whoop bands in particular and aura. Although I don't know as much about aura, like the difference mm -hmm. between readiness and recovery. Yeah, because I think people with whoop bands only get a recovery score. And they translate yeah. that into readiness. Okay, yeah. And what, what we sort of found, inspired by a lot of your responses, that readiness is not recovery. 
and recovery is not readiness. They're related, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more to it because you can be recovered and not ready. Sure. You can be ready and not recovered. So mm-hmm. like there was this kind of mismatch that we hadn't thought too much about when it came to those wearable devices until that section like came about. So yeah, there's a whole whole piece on that. Yeah, that's I was just curious to like if that prompted good defense or questions or all that kind of thing just based off of what you had to talk about with these people and yeah i remember like our exit interview like going Mm -hmm. over all of the the graphs and stuff from the numbers you crunched um just everything (laughs) that we kind of took from my questions just personally but like overall did you find that it was like interesting across the board or like did you like seeing other people's kind of yeah it was nice because perspectives the it, it was a great finding in general to, like, get the reinforcement of things that we thought were going to happen, like the uh, the mismatch mm-hmm. between the math and what people thought, mm-hmm. because it reinforced, like, don't rely so much on your whoop band or your aura ring. Like, that's going to give you mm-hmm. some information. Yeah, tools. Tools. Sure. But a lot of it is based on physiological things, like... It's looking at your heart rate. It's looking at your sleep. It's looking at things that it can objectively monitor, but it's not taking into account subjective things. How are you feeling? What type of mood are you in? What type of stress are you under? Things like that. And that's where you need to kind of like step away from the wearable device, Mm -hmm. not use it as the only tool. Use it to uh, add to the checklist of what you're looking for. But that at the end of the day these subjective feelings matter. So if you have that ability to say, all right, physically I'm good. Mentally, maybe I'm lagging a little bit. That's when you need that grit, mm-hmm. that, that perseverance, the, the kind of mental um, drive to continue. So it was great to get that perspective because we, we didn't anticipate it and it helped boost up a lot of the applied implications i was gonna say application implication but Mm. that's a little too much applied implications (laughs) where it's like don't lean on objective things too much you still need to know yourself your coaches need to be aware of when to push you because sometimes you need the external person behind you being like suck it up we're gonna go Mm -hmm. we've talked about your goals we we know that there's gonna be times like Mm -hmm. this where you just want to chill and you need someone to push you and Mm -hmm. that's what the coach is there to do so <coughs> subjective matters as much as objective and we didn't we had a feeling about that but unless people said it in an interview we weren't going to be able to talk about it mm-hmm. so it was great that it came up yeah <coughs> and that yeah so that just like rounds out like the the way you get challenged mm-hmm. by people sometimes you need to have that um not like your internal not external challenge like you want to internally be able to challenge yourself and make yourself push through but you also do need those outside people externally coaches people you can rely on to challenge you when you don't necessarily feel like it mentally so like just mallory and i have conversations about this all the time with her people at box wrong in our clinics and like when we challenge them like we think you can do more form looks good everything looks all right like you're moving well push it see what happens mm-hmm. there's also time to not do that so like you that's where those conversations come in so it's interesting to hear that from empirical research evidence how you could apply that from like 
these surveys and mm-hmm. understanding where that comes from and all these things. So I think that's yeah. just cool to see that and I think people can relate to it and I think it'll be interesting for people to hear that it's not just like gimmicky for coaches. Mm-hmm. You need to have that, but it's also backed up by like science, like yeah. just how your body is feeling, how your mental is feeling. But these are all important factors that tie into a sustainable life of living healthy, living a healthy lifestyle moving your body lifting weights all these things are important for health long term which is ultimately the goal and what we're trying to do you know so the more evidence and research and stats and facts and all things we can bring to that will hopefully shed some light and maybe get some people inspired to get that 27.6 percent probably less up to I mean, as much as we can. A hundred. A hundred and four. If you don't lift twice a week, shame on you. You're out. But no, to maybe wrap things up and go full circle, I think this is what Kurt did last time. Yeah. A long time ago. You did a Venn diagram, too. Yeah. Dude, anything involving circles gets me fired up. Post Malone? Post Malone. Circles? Mac Miller. R.I.P. All right, nice. Um, But to go full circle, I think a lot of the conversations, good conversations, have been about what you do in the gym impacts your life outside of it. He said it, not me. His words, not mine. This is bringing in the other end of the equation where what you do outside the gym Mm -hmm. impacts your performance, impacts your life outside the gym. So if I could... No, that... Bring it there, right? That was phenomenal. Thanks for watching. Yeah. I think we do talk about that a lot, like how what we do inside and how that affects outside, but you have to think about like what you just said. Like what are you doing to set yourself up for success in the gym, which will also then kind of bring it back as we're doing. And that's just like the <laughs> hey, <cook this. laughs> um how that kind of cycle and like just thing keeps the revolution. Revolution keeps moving. The revolution yeah. will not be televised, yeah, as true. they say. That's facts. But that's an interesting thing you said that, and I think we could take that into like more conversations. Like, what are you doing outside the gym to set yourself up for that day to make sure you get the most out of your workout so you're able to keep coming back? Yep. So like that's also an important like perspective on it that you haven't really thought about or what we talked about at least. Um, but it's cool that you said that. I yeah. think we can kind of use that to gauge some conversations too in the future. For sure. You know what I'm saying? I feel you, dog. Do you have anything else you want to bring to the table? That's it. This was nice. This is very good. Yeah, I thought this was like a, like, I think people are going to enjoy this, like, informational episode. I've been wanting to do this for a while yeah. now. Just Glad I could get this is how down. we could get down here and get this on rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think we can kind of lead this into the more, more specialized discussions with you, definitely, like yep. what you're doing now, what you're co- or coaching. You are back at OTF, but yep. what you're teaching... I didn't tell you they offered me a little head coach position obviously already. Obviously, they so offered it to you. Did it. you accept it? I said maybe. It's like full-time, so ah. I do be busy. You do be busy. Professing. But, yeah, professing your love for... Steelers and exercise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go Lurs. Tell you what, brother. Tell you what. I, let's, let's say a quick um, yeah. thank you that... Chris is not here. Yeah, it it's better. <laughs> yeah, it's way it's better. It's better without Chris. Yeah, that's what I've been saying this whole time. Every time I do anything without Chris, I go... My life's significantly this is, better. This is better without we Chris. We have to go see him here shortly, and it's going to go downhill quick. Yeah, I'm really only there to see Kaylee. Is she even going to be there? 
I hope so. Is a diaper party? I don't know. Oh yeah, I guess I don't know. All what those dudes are. Yeah, I don't just know. dudes and diapers. Dudes and dipes. <laughs> I'm assuming she'll be there. Has to be. In I touched her belly time. earlier. Did you really? The first pregnant belly I ever touched. Yeah, I don't know. It took yeah. a lot out of me. What did it? Did it kick you? No. no. <laughs> did Cam kick you? He's lucky. He did. <laughs> don't you? When you get out, you know that kid ain't birthing nothing with aggression. No. He's no. a low T. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. No, but she'll be there. And yeah, <coughs> this is this was good. This was cool. Yeah, good. I mean, anything happened recently or looking forward to? Um, positive. Always got to end it up on that note. Yep. Anything coming up um, that you're looking forward to? Let's see. Anything? Well, recently I took Marshall to the vet. Oh. Thursday. Best dog, Marshall. Best dog, Marshall. Are you? Is he your full time dog now? Full time pup. Ma- Beth and just wanted you to. I have thought him. it was gonna be a temporary yeah. handoff, and so. I'm sure you like that. Yeah. yeah. But I was pleasantly surprised because I was like, when did yeah. you think? And she's like, oh, no, no, he's yours. I was oh. like, hell yeah. Yeah, respect. But <clears throat> took him to the vet on Thursday. He's like 13 or 14. He's old. Ah. I did the math. He's getting, in his 90s. Getting tough. As far as getting dog years. But clean bill of health. They're like, he's crushing it. That's so awesome. that was very good. Yeah. I've cried about this him is, yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, this is what we want. Sure. I think I'll probably live forever, so that'll be good. <laughs> um, As will you. Uh, well, I hope not. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, that that was something good that just happened. Sure. And then coming up, um, I mean summer, but yeah. Orange yeah. Theory does this like event called a dry try. It's like a doing a triathlon indoors. Okay. Um, they do it in the spring and in the fall, and so the spring one's coming up. And I always love coaching those, so that'll yeah. be in two weeks. So I'm pretty cool. fired up. Yeah. Try to make some changes up there. All right. Get the people motivated. Yeah. Tell them to listen to this podcast. Yeah, tell them to tune in. Got tell the first full heat in a while there. Full heat. So that'll be there good. There you go. That's big what about time. you? Uh, well, Chris's ugly face later. Diaper party. That's always, I mean, cool to see some dudes. Dang, you know, I should have said that. Bros. No, yeah, that was whatever. a good answer, he's dude. Right. Um, he's whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, good Olympic lifting class this morning. Um, I saw that. Yeah. So, like, I've been doing that a lot lately with, like, warm-up PVC mm-hmm. pipe. And, like, I like when people buy into it and you get that kind of cool video, which I got today. Yeah. Um, it's been like kind of, like, hit or miss over the last month or so at the Open. So, yeah. like, people have been focusing on that. Hopefully, we get back to, like, more regularly scheduled classes with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a cool thing this morning. I had a lot of... It seemed like that was a cool video to post. Looks and then, packed. Yeah, whenever we get like a good class, it's like anywhere from ten to fourteen people. That's good. So I think we had eleven or twelve this morning. It was nice. good. Um, and then we have I have with Mallory, we have a lunch clinic coming up. So this That's is right. our I first lunch that. one. Mm-hmm. Um, so the clinics were designed to. Um, her people are a little bit different than what you get here at Aurelius. Um, so it's a cool demographic that's different to like spread some knowledge and. Just kind of gauge with people with her alongside me and me alongside her with her people. Um, But we created those to kind of help people just move functionally and get a better understanding of things. And um, people seem to really enjoy it and that kind of thing. So that's always fun that I get to do that with her. Get the privilege of helping out her people Mm -hmm. with her. So I'm looking forward to that too. But yeah, that's pretty much it. We spring ahead tomorrow. Oh yeah, damn right. And it sounds like things are going to lunge ahead. (laughs) We're going to end it on that note. You know what I mean? All right. But, yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, Lighter, longer. 
wow. Uh, for real, that gets yeah. me so pumped. Yeah. Driving yeah. to work when it's And light. Chris said it the other day, birds chirping on a spring morning. Oh, uh, don't even. Don't eat. You're going to make me act up right now, dude. <laughs> Legs twitching. <laughs> birds are chirping. Yeah, but anyway, that was a great episode. I think people are going to love it, and we'll, we'll get you back more for sure. But thanks for, thanks for me, coming dog. on, big dog. Of course. Go balls and go Baldwin Wallace. It should be. Fighting Yellow Jack. You have been listening to the Pros of Con podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and Anchor. Come back each week for a new episode. Thanks for listening.